Hey friends, welcome to The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to episode 24 of The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. Today I'm talking with Heather Creekmore. Heather is a pastor's wife, a homeschooling mom of four, a failed Netflix baker. She's on season one, episode one of Nailed It. She's an author, a podcaster, and a speaker, but most of all, she's a woman who loves Jesus, but knows what it feels like to struggle with body image and comparison. Her passion is to see Christian women set free from the all-consuming worry over the scale, mirror our lure of comparison, so they are free to pursue God's purpose for their lives. Welcome, Heather. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you, Andrea. It's great to be with you. Heather, will you start off by telling listeners a little about your story and why you are so passionate about conversations on body image and comparison? Yeah. So my story with body image starts way back in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember a time when I decided my legs were bigger than the legs of the other girls in school. And I looked around, I made that comparison and then made that decision that I needed to do something to make my legs smaller. And so by middle school, I was dieting. By high school, I was doing a, and I'm using quotations around this word, diet called see how long I could go without eating. Mm. Uh, By my sophomore year of college, I lost my period. And, um, and, and, you know, to give a little context, I think now it's really simple for me to look back and say, oh, I had some sort of eating disorder. But at the time, there were really only two main categories for eating disorders that people knew about, and that was anorexia or bulimia. And I couldn't make myself throw up, although if I'm honest, I tried many times and almost felt like a failure because I couldn't do that. Um, and then I, I wasn't anorexic because eating <laughs> was the passion of mine. <laughs> so, so, um, so I struggled a lot in my early years, thought maybe I had found the solution in my late twenties when I became a fitness instructor, because I thought certainly if I could be one of those people at the gym, then I wouldn't struggle with body image anymore. And that didn't work. Uh, I thought maybe getting married would fix it. I thought maybe being a mom and having important things to think about and do, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, would fix it. And none of these things worked. And so God has taken me on a journey. My, uh, my young, I have four kids and they were all born in, well, in just over four years, no twins. Okay. okay. So I was <laughs> pregnant and nursing for like five years straight. We actually had a miscarriage in the middle there. So it was a literal, like five years straight almost. And, um, God really, he started my journey. Like when my youngest was born, we had, we were going into the ministry. And so we had gotten some counseling and I really believed for so many years that my body image issues were about my body. And if I could just fix my body, then I would be free. And uh, through the counseling process, I was able to recognize that mm, 
Okay, body image issues are not about your body at all. And and looking back at pictures now, I'm almost like stunned. I'm like, I look like that, and I was worried about my body. <laughs> but but so God God has been really faithful, really the last decade or so, just to take me on this journey that I never thought I would go on. I mean, the fact that I am talking to you about body image and comparison like these are the thoughts that women have that we don't talk to anyone about like other than super unhelpful conversations like i feel fat today oh you don't yeah you look great have you seen me you know we do that but we don't talk uh, in my opinion honestly and, and and in a deep spiritual way about these issues enough and so that is why I am passionate about talking about this, especially with Christian women in church circles. So, yeah, so much insight there. And I think that with body image and then perfectionism and so many different issues that we struggle with, that that is not the actual issue. Like right. you're saying, like, it's not necessarily about our body. It's like our heart issue and the lies we believe about our body that make us obsess about that or with perfectionism also like it's often you know from a place of wanting to control or to people please or things like that so we really have to like take a magnifying glass on some of these issues and think about okay what's under the surface right. of these things and i think that's so awesome that you are sharing about these things with the world so will will you tell us about your latest book called The Burden of Better and what you mean by that phrase, The Burden of Better. Yeah. So I was the, I'm, so I'm type A, was all the way perfectionist. I'm, I'm a firstborn, yeah, you know, all the too. things, right? <laughs> so it's like my destiny <laughs> was, was to be on a journey, not even just to be better, really, if I'm honest, to be the best, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's my wiring. Okay. And, and I had this postcard that I had gotten, I think in college out of this little postcards book. And this postcard said, commit yourself to constant improvement. And so Andrea, this thing was like on my desk. It was when I had a com this was before computers. <laughs> when I had a computer, it was like on my word processor. <laughs> when, when I got a computer, it was on my computer. I mean, when I started my first jobs, like, like this was just, this was part of my desk setup. This was my mantra. This was my creed, constant improvement. And so when I set out to write a book on comparison, you know, I really wasn't sure at first, to be honest with you, like, what, what do I tell women the cure for comparison is? Because I had read a lot of books that said, like, we're just always gonna compare. All you can do is just take the thought captive or say something like, I'm happy for you. And I, I was frustrated by that because I was like, there's gotta be more here, God. Like, mm -hmm. I do not believe that is your heart for women to live a life where they are always like, you know, craning their neck right and left to see how others are doing around them. Like, I really believe this is a distraction from chasing you. What is the answer here, God? And and so so as I started to create a book, I was really creating a book. It had a different title at the at the time, but a book where I was leading women on a journey away from comparison into a life of grace, right? And and there's so many ways that grace and thinking about living a life of grace is is just it's antithetical to living the life of being the best, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, like, like we'd like to make those two things collide, right? Like we'd like to put like a well, God wants me to be excellent, <laughs> like label on our chase for perfectionism. 
and you know and to be good and all the things but but what i really recognized was, was it was it was contrary to grace in so many ways and so i had a good friend erin carey she has an awesome podcast and and she read my book ahead of time and and we had a different name like i said and she was like heather i think this book is called the burden of better and i was like yeah that's really good because that that's really what it was all about it was this perfectionism, this idealism, all these ways that I thought my life needed to be better. I needed to look better. I needed to be a better mom. I needed to be a better wife. I needed to have a better house. I needed to have a better job. All these ways I was supposed to be better were not actually adding anything to my life. They were a burden I was carrying around and really being crushed under all of the time. And so that that's where the title came from. And that's really what I hope to offer through that book is some relief from that burden of better. I'm not going to tell you, oh, just forget about it. Oh, just uh, you need to just not worry about that because like that is not how I work. Like people told me all my Christian life, which was I was born and raised in a Christian home, went to Christian school. So like I knew the word of God and I had too many people try to oversimplify my problems with, oh, you just need to remember you're fearfully and wonderfully made, honey, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> and so I don't like cliche. I don't like to oversimplify things. I think we have to do the hard work of rooting, excuse me, of digging deeply into the heart issues. And that's where we find freedom. Absolutely. And you're right. When you think of a burden, like it's something that is heavy. It's like carrying an extra backpack of rocks right. on our back. And really when we think about comparing our body or trying to be perfect in other areas, like it's something that we can put down, mm -hmm. but we so often pick it back up because right. I think it might be a comfort or it's all we've known. So yeah, it really is a burden that we we can choose to, to lay down. We just have to be really aware of it. And like you said, dig deep into the why behind we, why we feel like we need to, to be carrying that. Why do you think Heather, that comparison is such an issue for us? And, and like you said, even though, you know, we're believers, we're Christian women, like right. we still get it, fall into that trap of, yeah. why do you think we do that? Well, so a couple reasons, and this kind of ties in with what you were just saying. I really believe that the heart issue behind comparison, behind body image issues is idolatry. Mm -hmm. Now, I was raised in a Christian home, like I said, and so to me, idols were statues. Like you went in the Chinese restaurant and you tried not to stare at Buddha, right? Because that was an right. idol, right? Like we couldn't have a garden gnome just in case. Like we didn't have any statues, okay? <laughs> and But it wasn't until my adult life that I started to see how modern day idolatry worked. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, it's interesting thinking about even the Ten Commandments, right? Like thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's like rule number one, right? And then all through the Bible, I forget the number, I think it's like 60 times or so, like we are reminded to, to not be idolaters, to put idols away. Well, I used to read that and just think, okay, no statues, I'm clear, right. <laughs> I got that God. But what God really has, has worked in my life and shown me is, is how quickly I am willing to make these things that I strive for idols in my life. And so what that looks like just pragmatically is these are things that I am looking to, to give me life. These are things that I'm looking to, to save me. And that's a word I probably wouldn't have used 
10 years ago, right? Because, well, duh, Jesus saves, not like having a hot body, right? <laughs> but, but the truth is, I really believed that if my body looked better, if my home looked better, if my kids behaved better, <laughs> right? I really believe that all of those things would give me the kind of life that I desired. And in that meant freedom, in that meant rest, in that meant joy and peace and all those things that our hearts crave. But the truth is, none of those things come from having a better home or a better body or better behaved kids and so to kind of loop back around to your question why do we struggle with comparison well i mean there's the no duh answers right like we're on social media we right. have like so many opportunities to see other people's lives i can see all what you had the for time. dinner right <laughs> like i you know it used to be you only knew what the inside of homes look like that of people that you actually knew and had been to their homes now i know what people's homes look like all over the world right right, right. And, and I know, I know what you look like on vacation, like how cute you look in that bathing suit. Like, I know that, right? Like before I'd have to go on vacation with you to have that information, <laughs> right, right. but you know, or I'd go to your house and maybe you'd awkwardly pull out your vacation photos, but no, that doesn't happen. Right. But now I have all of this information for my brain to assimilate. And yes, we are wired in some way for comparison, right? This goes back to like 1950s social comparison theory. It's in there, but just because we are we have this natural tendency doesn't mean that it's something that god wants us to act in right like there's a lot of natural urges we have that we would classify as acting in the flesh right and the new man is in the spirit so we've got to put aside those things and so thinking about comparison like through the lens of the bible i think we really have to stop using the word comparison in a way because it's such a nicey nice word mm -hmm. and it's such a safe word and we have to use words that the bible uses like envy and covetousness and jealousy and pride. And when you say those words, it's like instantly like, ooh, Ick, no, right. please, yuck, oh no. But like, if we're honest, right, going back to those 10 commandments, like what do we have right after no idols before me? Like, you know, thou shalt not covet, right? Like, and, but, but when, so when I see, so I have an old kitchen, okay? And, and my, part of my story is we built a home a couple years before, a couple years ago, and then we had to move to a new city where things were a lot more expensive. And I live in a much older home now. And I have like these ugly laminate countertops. Okay, they're awful. They're peeling. It's just, it's it's not pretty, okay? <laughs> and I used to have this like custom kitchen with all the pretty things and it looked like Joanna Gaines picked it out, okay? <laughs> so, but now I have this ugly kitchen. And if I see a friend of mine or even a neighbor in my older neighborhood who has redone their kitchen, and I'm like, oh man, I want that kitchen. Oh, if I just had that kitchen. Oh man, think about, think about how I could have people over. If I just had that kitchen, oh, I really want that kitchen. And I start obsessing over it, right? Like, ooh, what would it take to get that kitchen? I start going on Pinterest and like planning what my perfect, like, like there's some coveting going on there right mm -hmm. um or if i start to refer to her as oh nice kitchen girl and you know like don't want to talk to her anymore because she has a much nicer kitchen than i do and oh i can't have you over because then you would see how ugly my kitchen is like that's all envy right and these are things that we've gotten really comfortable like operating in but we have to stop and it's it's for our own good that we have to stop right because because god doesn't want us to be caught up in all of this 
Absolutely. And as you were talking about idols, I I was thinking about like for me over the past year, how I have struggled with like my pant size mm. sometimes being an idol or mm-hmm. like that number on the scale. And it's interesting right. because over the past year, like I've been trying to exercise more regularly. And so I feel it, I feel healthy. I feel good, but I have also been working with a friend who's a nutritionist. And so she's telling me I need to, to eat more, to have enough calories, to feel my workouts, but I've my, the number on the scale keeps going up. And I was really struggling for a couple of months of like, this is, you know, this is not, (laughs) this is not what I like to see. And I really have had to come to terms with the fact that yes, that pant size and that number like were idols for me because I was feeling so uncomfortable that they weren't what I wanted them to be. And I'm coming to a place of surrender with those things because you're right. I don't want it to be preoccupying my thoughts or taking the place of God in my life that like, okay, first thing when I get up, like, what am I doing? Am I going to stand on the scale or am I going to, you know, have my quiet time and focus on how, how I feel good, how God is enabling me to be stronger, those types of things. So I think we have to be careful of those idols um, in our lives and they, they can be things like a pant size. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because like no one knows your pant size. Right. right? And sizes are so arbitrary, right? Like a size 10 at one store could fit like a size six at another store. Right. Right. And no one knows what numbers on your scale. Right. And I mean, it's the same with all the areas that we perfectionists like to control, right? Like, like chances are no one knows whether or not your closet is clean. (laughs) Right. Right. Or cares. Right, right. Like all those little things we obsess over, but but that is the trick of idolatry, right? It keeps us like focused on the shiny object that's going away, away from Jesus, right? We're like, ooh, shiny object must have, must get number right, you know, like all those things. And I'm right there with you. I mean, for many years, I used to say that I served the God of the bathroom, the God of the box on the bathroom floor, right? And so whatever the box on the bathroom floor told me that day. That was whether or not it was a good day or a bad day. And that was whether or not I had any value or worth that day, right? If the number's good, yay, I'm good. If the number's bad, oh man, I'm awful. And how, you know, it's, it's funny, like we can talk about it glibly, but it's very real, very real and, and, and very all consuming for so many women and even Christian women. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on those battles. Yeah. Let's chat a little bit about, you know, body image related to all these things. And why do you think we struggle so much with our body image? Yeah, you know, I really do believe that it's it's the idol, the lure. Um, you know, God, God created beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're made in his image. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with craving beauty. Uh, But I think what happens too often is we believe that more beauty will mean a better life for us, Mm -hmm. that it'll be easier. And even really, you know, as I was writing Burden of Better, like it just came to me so strongly that, that really what we crave is rest, right? Like no one goes on a diet to be on a diet for the rest of their life right? You go on a diet hoping that in six weeks you have whatever amount of time it takes, but, but you have the results you, you want Mm -hmm. so that you can 
rest, right? We think, okay, if I just get that promotion, then I will be able to rest at that level. If I just accomplish that next thing, I'll be able to rest. Or even day to day, I bet you can relate to this and some of your listeners probably can too. Even day to day, I will work too hard. I will do too many things. Like I'll have my list of five things I gotta do today, but I'll get done early and I'll be like, ooh, if I could get the five things done for tomorrow, then I could take tomorrow off. But does that happen? No, because then tomorrow I'm like, ooh, well, if I could get the five things I need to get done the next day, oh, maybe the next day too, then I could, and it's this promise of rest that drives us, right? And it's silly because we never stop and take it, right? (laughs) Right. right. Like we just keep driving, keep driving. And so anyway, back to body image, I think what most of our hearts long for is just to be at a place of peace and rest with the way we are physically. And just the era, the culture that we live in right now tells us all these messages about our worth and our value coming from the way we look. And so I think the enemy uses that to convince us with his lies that if we could just look like that, then we could rest and we would feel secure in our identity and we would always be accepted and approved of and loved by everyone. Or if you're married, you know, that your husband would never look at porn. You know, that you'd never have a problem in your marriage if you just look like this. And all of these lies come in and we believe them and we think, if I could just change my body, then my whole life would be perfect or at least better, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Because I I didn't use the word perfect on purpose in the book because it's like, I think a lot of women are like, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. Oh, but I know realistically perfect is not going to happen, but better, (laughs) better I can do, right? Right. And and so, so yeah, I think this is whole, this whole mess, if you will, internally for us as women, where we're like, okay, I just, I want to be approved of, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. And maybe this is the way I need to do it. Maybe this is the change that will make everything, you know, happen. And the problem is it doesn't. And, And it leaves us unsatisfied. And then you get the body and you're like, wait a second, why is he still looking at porn? Or wait a second, like I thought everyone at work would love me now. Or I thought I would get that better job because I'm, you know, I, I'm better now the way I look. Or I thought I would find a husband, you know, like all these, all these things. And and it doesn't work because Jesus at the end of the day is like, oh hey, over here, I'm the only one that's gonna satisfy you. Right. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> right. I think too, so often we we use the wrong standard of measuring our worth right. or our our body image we instead of using God's word and what he says about us we try to compare and compete with culture but the right. the tricky part of that is that the standards that culture uses are always changing you are so and right. and if i think back you know right now like in my lifetime like the message has always been be super thin and fit. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that there, you know, has been such a variety of of ridiculous things that culture tells us to do, to be able to do that. But if we think of like world history, I don't know what years it would be, but like Renaissance times, Mm -hmm. like women, the, the standard then was for women to be heavier and to, to, have curves and to eat because that meant that you were wealthy and that that was the sign of status was that you were heavier. So, you know, hundreds of years later, now the standard is different. And, you know, in our lifetime, it may not swing back to what it was in Renaissance times, but, but 
what's a girl to do? You know, like not realistic for us or healthy for us to be comparing ourselves to what culture tells us. And we also have to, I think, consider our season and Mm -hmm. where we are. I I think back to, I remember in high school struggling with what you were saying about like comparing my legs to the legs of my friends as we were all sitting in the cafeteria or at the basketball game or whatever. And when I look back now, just like you said, I'm like, what in the world? Like, why was I comparing or thinking that I was so much bigger than everybody else? But, you know, when I look at my body then, like I had the body of a teenager and I can't compare my 38 year old body now to the body of an 18 year old. Like it's just not realistic. And I think that we compare our current selves to our former selves a lot. And then as moms, like we are having babies and, you know, we stretch and we'd grow and we change. And instead of lamenting those stretch marks or our bigger pant sizes or whatever, changes our bodies have gone through instead what if we looked at them with thankfulness or celebration and for me I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to have kids because I had some hormone issues and different things and so I really tried to when I see myself in the mirror and I see those stretch marks instead of lamenting them but being grateful that I have them because what if I wouldn't have had them and if they some evidence of what God has done in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one of my pet peeves is the quote that you can't compare yourself to anyone else. You just have to compare yourself to the you you were yesterday or, you know, the, you know, just the you you used to be. And I'm like, I think that's horrible advice because we are always changing. Right. right? And so, yes, like you said, if I compare myself to who I was as a teenager, I'm going to go crazy. And likewise, I, I, I do body image coaching now. And so I work with women in their fifties and sixties who've just gone through menopause in some cases. And if they get stuck comparing their bodies to who they were in their thirties, they are, you know, they're going to be stuck there, right? They can't go back. There's no going back, right? Aging is real. (laughs) And, and so it's, it's, it's horrible advice. But then I think a lot of times other women, we get stuck with this, just like, I have this ideal of who I should be. Mm. Right. And it's just my ideal. This is my, you know, it's not based on what anyone else says. This is just my ideal. And it's important for me to reach my ideal. And so in the burden of better, I dig into, into all of the fallacy involved in that and how harmful even that can be when we're chasing this ideal and we create our own set of rules for meeting this ideal and all of these restrictions and you know, like I said, rules, these boxes, we, we have to check off for ourselves to be content. It's like, who are you really pleasing in that? Like, right. That's when we, we start actually serving an idol of self. And again, I feel like Jesus is like, Hey, I gave you a couple rules over here. There's not many. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I got some standards and, and I got grace too. And, right. and then it's like, we're like, okay, yeah, I see, I see your Bible, Jesus, but mine, I have to weigh this amount and wear this size and do these things for my kids and all these things that are crazy making, right? All this extra pressure, this burden we put on ourselves. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the free way to live. (laughs) Right. Right. 
So Heather, what are some practical steps that you recommend to women to help us be at peace with who, who God made us to be with the body that we were given? What, what tips do you have for us? Yeah. I mean, so like super practically, if you're a Jesus follower, I I look into this concept of idolatry, right? Because it's real. And I feel like to to give you like, hey, watch, you know, watch what media you consume, which is a good tip, right? But to give you those tips without saying, hey, first see the idol, right? And you have to see all the different ways the idol interacts. And like you were saying earlier, Andrea, you know, it, it's not just body image. A lot of times it is, it's control. And with perfectionism, there's control. There's this need for approval. And so it might not just be one idol. It might be a bunch of little idols. True, true. <laughs> you've got, you've got, and you have to see them. And then once you can see them, what I encourage women to do, and I run, I run a couple of courses through my website too. And where we start always is listening to the lies. Because especially if you got body image issues, there's lies that have been with you probably since elementary school. You know, maybe you were one of the fortunate ones and didn't start until high school or or some in some cases I work with women who didn't start until they had babies. So but but at some point those lies started coming in. And and what happens when the enemy lies to us is he gives us just like a little bit of truth and then the rest is a lie. And because we hear that little bit of truth, we're like, oh, I have to keep this because it's true. And 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 the enemy's condemnation is never something we have to keep, right? If there's right. things we need to change, the Holy Spirit will convict us. And that's much different than condemnation, right? And so, so learning learning to block out those lies, take those thoughts captive, hear the lies. Most of the women I work with don't even stop to hear the lies anymore. You know, they're just, they're friends that have been with them for decades. Right. So we stop and we listen to the lies. We write the lies down. We Then we start to notice what triggers those lies, right? Okay. Do those lies start coming faster when I'm watching Netflix? Do those lies start coming faster, you know, when I'm, you know, stepping on the scale every morning or, you know, trying on clothes, like what, wherever the place may be, just to, to raise awareness. And then once the awareness is raised, then there's all kinds of practical things you can do, right? Like, you know, I mean, your listeners have probably heard this before, but if you're following someone on Instagram and they're triggering you and you're following them and every time you see their pictures, you're like, you feel this like little ugh feeling in your stomach, right? That's the technical term for it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you, and you're like, ugh, you know, recognizing that that's like envy welling up, right? Or covetousness or, or jealousy or pride. Like one of those things may be welling up and just press on follow, right? Mm-hmm. Especially on Instagram, because you won't know, right, <laughs> you right. know, but, but it's not healthy for you. So, so there's lots of, there's lots of different practical tips like that, that I go through in my books, but I would say those are, those are a solid starting place. I love what you said about identifying those lies. And I think like you said, sometimes they're very subtle. Sometimes they're overt. Sometimes we get them from culture, from Instagram. I think we also sometimes get those lies too from people who love us, who Mm. have said things that are hurtful, like just, you know, comments that we make um, to people or, you know, a parent maybe made to us when we were younger. And so those things I think can be harder to overcome when kind of like you said, the way that the enemy gives us a little bit of truth, but there's mostly a lie, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe something someone said to us was meant out of a heart of concern, but it Mm -hmm. didn't come out that way. And so I've had to try to be very aware. I am as a parent trying to be aware of how, what I say 
could potentially right. affect my kids. And we're not going to be perfect by any means, but it's just good for us to, to ask the question in our parenting. But then if we receive those messages as children or, you know, throughout our lives from someone that loves us, I think it's important for us to, to dig into those things mm-hmm. and to work through them for ourselves so that we can find freedom and learn how to walk forward if that person is still in our life and how, how we relate with them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the questions we asked too. It's like, who's, whose voice is in your head telling you, Mm -hmm. you need like whose voices that you hear. And a lot of times it is, it's the mom's voice, sometimes the dad. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of times it's the mom's voice. And so we, we do have to work through that. Right. And it's hard and it, you're right. It's so hard as moms. I remember when my daughter was like four or five years old, she was all dressed up for church and she went into church and this, I just thought she looked super, super cute that day. And she came out and I was like, did anyone tell you you looked pretty? And she just kind of gave me a confused look. And I was like, oh my word, Heather, what are you doing? You are setting this little girl up <laughs> to, like, <laughs> to like see if to fish for compliments at church, right? Like to see if dressing a certain way would get her attention at church. And oh my word, I, I just rattled around in my brain for, for many, many months <laughs> about that. And it was like, it was a turning point for me because I was like, oh wow, like, like I, my words, have an influence in how she is going to interact with the world regarding her appearance and whoo, how do I do this, God? (laughs) Right, right. And that's so important what you said about the power of our words. And I think that also applies to ourselves and Mm. thinking about the power of the words. We may not ever say these words out loud, but we think them in our head. And I think very often we think thoughts about ourselves and tell ourselves words that we would never, ever say to anybody else. And those things really can affect our body image and the, the why behind some of our comparison. Absolutely. Any last thoughts, Heather, on body image comparison? practical tips for us. You know, I just, I'd like to encourage anyone listening, you know, like I know the full strength of this issue, (laughs) right? Like I know what it's like to be constantly obsessed and to have that constant running conversation in your head about, I can't believe you did that wrong. Oh, I can't believe you ate that. Oh, I can't believe you can't get your act together and exercise longer. I can't, you know, all of that condemnation. That was a constant conversation in my head for many decades. And to be honest, I didn't actually believe it was possible that life could be any other way other than that. It it had been my normal for so long. It was that I just believed that's how it was for everyone. And so God has really done a tremendous work and it's taken a lot of time. It wasn't like a switch just flipped off and it's like, oh, I'm free now, right? right? It's taken a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of grace on the part of the Holy Spirit. But so my encouragement would be if that's you, like it, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, don't, don't just settle for that. Don't, don't believe that that's normal. And that's the way it has to be for you and, and start the steps to freedom. Like I I know, I know it's possible. So good. (laughs) 
Heather, at the end of every episode, I like to ask some fun questions. So we'll turn into that part of the show. So what are you reading, watching, or listening to these days? Yeah, I love that question. I was like, oh, all the things. She probably doesn't have half an hour for this answer. (laughs) So I'm going to focus it in on uh, we're big Chosen fans. Okay. I have not watched, but I've heard from lots of people. It's so good. Yeah, so good. And so they just released episodes two and three this week. And episode three was just amazing. Uh, Just the conversation between the disciples that you could just like it they're just they do a, a very a very good job of creatively creating a story um that you know it's it's not in the bible but it lines up with you know right. with scriptural principles and, and how the narrative of the bible works and i don't know we just watched that last night and i was like that was just so good so yeah that's that's what i'm into now awesome i love it yeah it's on my list for sure to tune into so thanks for that recommendation Next, what is your best soul or self-care tip for moms? Okay, so I'm gonna um I'm gonna twist this one a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is an answer with a twist of lime. Um my best tip is to not separate soul care and self-care. Ooh. I because like a lot of the women I work with uh have a full understanding of health and they've been on all the diets and they know what it takes to be healthy physically. Um, But what I've come to learn is unless you are healthy, like soul wise, unless you are healthy spiritually, all that physical health doesn't really mean a lot, right? And then, and just thinking, you know, there's a big conversation around mental health going on in our culture today, right? Like, like your mental health (laughs) can be damaged by pursuing your physical health right? Like every eating disorder starts with a diet. (laughs) It's just true. (laughs) Right. Um, and so, so putting all this together and not prioritizing, you know, physical over spiritual, but, but maybe even understanding that if you get spiritually healthy, that's going to make that pursuit of physical health so much easier because your motives are pure. (laughs) Right. So, so yeah, so that's my, my answer with a twist. I love it. It was so good. (laughs) What is God teaching you in this season of your life? Ooh, again, do you have a half hour? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, so I think my next book is going to be about control. Mm-hmm. And the process when I start writing is always to read a bunch of other people's books on the topic. Um, but then also, I don't know, God kind of starts to bring back to me like all of these scenarios that I could use as illustrations. And I start to see the way I've been a control freak in ways that I didn't even know I was being a control freak still, <laughs> right? And so I think he's just, he's still teaching me lessons in that arena. Uh, you know, trust, I don't think is something any of us have mastered (laughs) fully Mm -hmm. here. Right. And so, you know, in all that, I think he's, um, he's reminding me to stop pursuing and I'm going to put this language around it, which doesn't, it's going to sound more specific than it actually needs to be, but the big break or like in, 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 when I talk about body image and dieting stuff, I talk about like the miracle pill or the miracle cure or the unicorn, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like we're all in search of this like thing that will suddenly make our lives better. And, 
And as I say that, it's like, well, no, duh, that's Jesus. But but the truth is, I'm constantly thinking like, well, maybe just this this thing and Jesus, right? Just like getting this book deal and Jesus, or getting this, you know, weight and Jesus, getting this job and Jesus, getting, you know, this, my house, perfect, and Jesus. And so he's just teaching me again and again, all the different ways that I, I tend to try to make it and Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, no, Heather, okay, just just Jesus. Let go of your control of all this other stuff. Trust me, just Jesus is the way. Yeah. So good. As a recovering perfectionist, I can relate to that for sure. Heather, where can listeners find you? Where can they connect with you? Listen to your podcast and find your books. Yeah. So I'm at compared to who dot me. And I do know that's improper grammar because I'm talking to perfectionists and someone out there is like, doesn't she know it's compared to whom? Um, <laughs> so I just, I'll put that out there. I do know it's compared to whom, but that sounded very stuffy. So I had to, I had to drop the M and then I have to make this disclaimer every time I say it. Um, but, but it's compared to who dot me. And my podcast is called compared to who my books are the burden of better and also compared to you. And they're on Amazon, Walmart, Christian Book, Barnes and Noble, all the places Christian books are sold. Um, but yeah, connecting with me through my website is awesome. I have a free body image awareness quiz and a walking download. Um, it's like a walking workout to lose the weight of comparison, uh, where I kind of talk you through this guided walk uh, to release some things that keep us stuck in comparison. So that's a free download on my site too. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anyone. Awesome. Love it. I will definitely link all of those places in the show notes for listeners. And Heather, thank you so much for being with us. Such a great conversation. So helpful. Oh, thank you, Andrea. It was super fun. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Would you do me a favor and help me get the word out about the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering? I'd be so appreciative if as you listen, you take a screenshot, post it to social media, and tag me. You can also rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening so that other moms can find it. Looking forward to being with you next time.